Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. We, uh, whoops. So we'll start this morning with our scripture memory passage review. Um, we've got any of the four verses, any combination of the four verses in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. So if you know those, go ahead and stand and we'll uh, get moving with our lesson today. So we got two. Now, Miss Amy Velosen sent me a message on Facebook this morning and said she's out today, but she'll catch up. So <clears throat> we got one more. All right, Miss Darla, I'm going to make you go last today. Does that work? Oh, no, no. Do you need to go first? No. Is it gone already? No. Oh, okay. All right. Is it gone? No, I couldn't get it out. Oh, okay. You know, it's going to be those ones for your child. Uh, uh, Miss uh, Rachel Samsel, the newest member, I believe, of the Stuart Heights office staff. So, woo 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 uh, bringing uh, decency and order to uh, a new space. So I did, yes. All right, let's do it. All right, guys, hang on. We got the Bible being spoken. Okay. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent those for we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those which are asleep. Yep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Yes. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds yep. to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where? Was gonna, hang on, hang on. Um, <laughs> Comfort. <clears throat> Comfort each other with these words. Nice. Well done. Awesome. Cool. Probably the wrong sign language for comfort, but this is what I think of. So that's uh, Oh, comfort. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. All right. So that was all four. Very impressive. So that's four uh, choices from the prize table. So, all right, Miss Darla, you ready? <clears throat> I'm starting with 16. Starting with 16. All right. Yes, very good. Nice job. Y'all know what I'm doing when I do this, right? This is Jimmy V. Young. Sorry, I've already do that so many times. It's just, it's just, it's more than I can bear. So, uh, all right. So today, I've been waiting all week to do this. You ready? Today, we are in uh, week two 
of the study of the doctrine of the future. So today we go back to the future. Thank you, Mitch, wherever you are. I appreciate that. Where is Mitch? Oh, there you are. Thank you very much. That was awesome. appreciate that. He came up to me last week as soon as the lesson was over. He's like, you know you how you have to start next week. I was like, no, how do I? He said, you have to start going back to the future. Yes. And two weeks today, uh, it will be back to the future part two, and then it will be back to the future part three. So it's coming. Just it is what it is. So today is all about the millennium. And uh, I want to make sure that we know what we are talking about and what we're not talking about. So we're going to get a little word heavy to begin with, but your first blank there is the millennium means a thousand years. Uh, there are two words that I will use uh, a lot today, and I will probably mix them up at least a half a dozen times because I'm just going to talk too fast. Uh, but millennium with an M at the end is a noun, and it means a thousand years. Millennial with an L at the end is an adjective, and it describes something that is a thousand years. So Jesus will have a millennial reign, and a millennium is a thousand years. So a uh, <clears throat> couple things that we are not talking about. We are not talking about the Millennium Falcon. It makes me sad not to be able to talk about the Millennium Falcon. We are also not talking about millennials, which are people born in the 80s and the 90s. So those are two topics that I would love to discuss with you at some time. Maybe millennials who like the Millennium Falcon, but that's not <laughs> the subject of today's lesson. But we are, it, it, sorry, I tried to get all this out of my system early, so hopefully this will be the end of that. Uh, but what we are talking about is the thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth. So I, I wanted to start with the most complicated graphic that I'll show you today and just kind of step through a couple of the things on here. So these graphics are straight out of Grudem's Systematic Theology textbook. Uh, and this particular view is the pre-tribulational, premillennial view, uh, likely the view that most of the people in this room hold, whether you knew that's what the name for it was or not, because this is what we teach here at Stuart Heights. Uh, so the idea being that there is a church age where we are in right now. This is between the time of the cross and the time that Jesus comes back. Uh, there will be some type of a catching up of believers. Uh, we would call this the rapture. This is the... The T is the Great Tribulation period, uh, Christ returning back down to earth with the believers to rule and reign for a thousand years. This is the millennial period, uh, or the millennium. The seat is the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, and then there is an eternal state where we are either with God forever or away from God forever, with Him in heaven and the new earth, or uh, away from Him in hell. So... This is what we're talking about today. And the question that Grudem tries to answer in chapter 55, by the way, boom, of 57, we are getting close, folks. Uh, the question that Grudem tries to answer today is where do you put this block? Do you put this block after the church age? Do you put this block concurrent with the church age? Or do you put this block before Jesus comes back? And this is really the three different views that we're going to look at today. So it's the, the question is literally, what do we do with this block? Where do we put it? And then at the very end of the lesson, we'll spend probably two minutes looking at where do we do, what do we do with the tribulation period? And where does that fit? So uh, on your notes, we'll go ahead and look at the first of the three major views. And this is amillennialism. Uh, your blank is literally the letter A. So amillennialism, and the idea here is that there is no future millennial period. Uh, and, oh, whoop, 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 sorry, I skipped something. What did I skip? Yeah, it's a really big deal. So let's look at Revelation 20, verses 1 through 10. 
uh, because this is literally the text that we are trying to talk about today. So who's got Revelation 20 verses 1 through 10? This is kind of the, it's not kind of, it is the definitive passage on the millennium uh, in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So you got it? Awesome. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed, sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nation any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed is the holy of the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to battle them, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they march up over the broad plain of the earth and surround the camps of the saints and the beloved city. But the fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Awesome. Thank you, sir. So this is... So this is literally John seeing things that uh, God has allowed him to see partially into the future. It is not a crystal clear picture of everything with everything clearly defined. This is prophetic language. There are some things that that we kind of have to combine some Old Testament verses and some New Testament verses to flesh some of these ideas out. Uh, But this is the text that we are trying to understand. And the, the real question, again, if you, if you heard those verses, you heard thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. And the question is, what do we do with those thousand years? So the first view is amillennialism, and this is there is no future millennium. Uh, I really don't like this picture because they ought to put, he should have really put, and I thought about fixing it, I, he should have put the millennium here on top of the church age. Because the idea is that it is going on right now, and that we are experiencing right now the verses that Stephen just read. And the only challenge that I have with that is the challenge that most of you have with that right now is your faces are wrinkled up and looking at me funny looking because it doesn't feel like Satan is bound. And it really doesn't feel like we're talking about a thousand years since we can count. And it's been at least 2000 uh, since Jesus was born. So feels like to put yourself in this amillennial category, you have to say that the thousand years is figurative language that says this represents some very long period of time. Uh, however, your next blank, here you go. Uh, this, this view would say that Revelation 21 through 10 describes the present church age. The present church age. Now this view does not, uh, does not 
refute the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back. This says Jesus Christ is coming back. This says there's going to be a judgment. This says the resurrection of believers and the resurrection of unbelievers. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be an eternal state. It's really only debating what happens before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, which we'll actually talk about in two weeks. So you say, where do you, where do you get that from? Well... You get that from looking at the Bible through a very figurative lens. It's, well, these things are pictures of something else, but it's not really specific. And, you know, our response to that, and I think you've probably heard Gary say this, is you go back through and you look at the text and you go, a thousand years, 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 a thousand years. He never once says, a really long time. And it feels like if it wanted to say a really long time, he might have used the words, a really long time, instead of a thousand years, like a thousand times in that text. Right. So this is, this is where we would go with it. There are, there are not as many amillennials uh, in Baptist circles as there are uh, premillennials, and there are several uh, postmillennials as well. So that's the, the first of the three major views. Now, there's two ways to teach this material today. One is to spend a week or two weeks on every single one of these ideas, on amillennialism, postmillennialism, premillennialism, and really dig in and dive in and the other way is to give an overview, which is what I'm going to do today, because I'd like you to go to the service this morning, and we have to have a certain amount of time to do that. So the second view is postmillennialism. <clears throat> so this is Christ returns after the millennium. So this is the church age, and then you go straight into the millennium, and then Christ returns, and then there's a resurrection of believers and unbelievers and judgment, new heaven, new earth. Um, <laughs> So according to this view, Christ will return after the millennium. Now, um, I'm going to read you an extended quote from Grudem here. I think it's very helpful. So according to this view, the progress of the gospel and the growth of the church will gradually increase so that a larger and larger proportion of the world's population will be Christians. And as a result, there will be a significant Christian influence on society. Society will more and more function according to God's standards. And gradually, a millennial age of peace and righteousness will occur on the earth. And at the end of this period, Christ will return to earth. And my question for you is, does that feel like what's going on in the world today? No. All right. This view is very, very popular when there are extended periods of peace on the earth. Does this make sense? When, the, when our country, when America was founded, and these Christians were coming over from Europe, that many of them held to a very post-millennialistic view. That was a long word, post-millennialistic. I don't know if I can spell that. Um, a very post-millennialistic view because they were extremely positive about the future. They thought they were going to set up a Christian nation that would help to usher in the millennial kingdom, and away we would go. It was a very positive-looking time. And you can look back over history, and Grudem actually lists several theologians that believe this at different points in the, in the history of the world. And when things looked good, especially for that theologian's country, this view kind of gets a lot more popular. Because, hey, I can see things are looking up. This, there might be some credibility to this. So this is the, the, the idea. So post-millennialism, here's your blank, is very optimistic about the power of the gospel to change lives and to bring about much good in the world. And that is, that is a good thing, right? Because we, we undersell the gospel way too much. We say the gospel is for the day you got saved and then put it in a little box and don't touch it again. No, the gospel changes the world. Believers get changed and we then go impact the world. This is a really, really good thing. 
I would just say that this is probably, the pendulum has swung too far as far as how this is going to work relative to uh, what we might see more clearly in the Scripture. So the third view then is, if we said it, it's not a future event and it could happen after, the th- other option is before, which is pre. So premillennialism, and this is Christ returns before the millennium reign. So I'm going to show you a a pre-tribulational view and a post-tribulational view um, because this this view has two different options. And just so you know, uh, you remember when we talked about church structures and that there are a wide, wide variety of church structures. Well, each one of these three major views has a lot of little variations, and you can put you can put any one of these components in a lot of other places. So we're we're really just talking about the big buckets that a lot of individual views can fit into this morning. So I don't want you to get and walk out of here and think, well, these are the only four things that a Christian can believe. No, there's, there's like a hundred different things Christians can believe in this. There's some people that say the entire book of Revelation is just uh, allegorical and we shouldn't believe really any of it. We'll just continue in this state forever. And you're like, I think you're missing like big chunks of the New Testament there, right? Because Jesus said he's coming back. So you got to deal, you got to put that in the bucket somewhere. And this is an attempt to figure out where that goes. So uh, the premillennial is Christ returns before uh, the millennium. And this is a, this viewpoint has a very long history in, um, in the church. So there's two different pieces. And I want to show you the pictures and then we'll kind of go back and forth between the two. So, whoops. There we go. So this is the view that This is post-tribulational, so the church age, and then the tribulation happens, and then Jesus Christ comes back, see? And then this view is the, I clicked it and didn't go, come on, there we go. This is the pre-tribulational, so Jesus comes back, and there's some tribulational period then. So the question is, what do you do with the tribulation? Is it before? Is it middle? Is it after? And that's kind of what Grudem does in the last uh, portion of uh, the chapter. So I'm going to read you a little section here about this uh, and then something that is really key. So according to this view, this pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, is that what I've got? Yep, there we go. Uh, the church age will continue until suddenly, unexpectedly, and secretly Christ will return partway to the earth and then will call believers to himself. Do we have a word for that? Rapture. Yeah, the rapture of the church, right? Christ will then return to heaven with the believers who have been removed from the earth. And when that happens, there will be a tribulation period on the earth for a period of seven years. During this seven-year period of tribulation, many of the signs that were predicted to precede Christ's return will be fulfilled. And at the end of that tribulation, Christ comes back with his saints to reign on the earth for a thousand years. After that thousand-year period, there's a big battle. Satan is ultimately defeated. We then move into the judgment seat, and then we move into all of eternity. And that's typically the view that most of us have been taught in conservative evangelical churches of the Baptist denomination. So this is kind of the the picture of it. Now, now there's a question as to where exactly you put the T, because you could put the T kind of closer over here and say that it's in the middle of the... And, and it gets really, really complicated if you're pre or mid or post-tribulational, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, I'm not going to dive too much into that. What I really want to focus on is four different things, and they're on the back side of your handout. So flip over there real quick. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the first blank, because I think the first blank is the most important. And then we'll kind of come back and talk about some other ideas real quick. So the first blank is Jesus is coming back. This is toward the bottom, I think, middle bottom of your handout. 
can we align on the fact that Jesus is coming back? The, the New Testament is abundantly, abundantly clear about this. The second point, and Grudem didn't put this in his textbook. He said this in his Sunday school class. I love this. Is history will end. And I don't know that I'd ever heard anybody put it like that before. Um, but there will be a time where we stop keeping up with time. Because we're in the eternal state at that point, which is kind of neat, right? So it won't be, well, I'm four years younger than Sean McGarvey, who had a birthday yesterday. Boom. Um, happy birthday. It'll be we're both, like, going to live forever, and it won't matter, and that's okay. And I, I, it's hard to wrap your head around that, right? Because we, we don't experience this eternal state right now. We're not there. We're not in that mind. We don't have a glorified body where we're not going to age and we're going to be okay and nothing hurts and I wake up in the morning and I, I can stand up straight quickly because my back, I mean, we're not there. We're still over here. And seeing clearly from this perspective through all of these events is very difficult. And all we have to go on are visions that a guy got told 2,000 years ago. And I am exceedingly thrilled that those words were inspired by God and given to us and not just some food that somebody ate that upset his stomach and then he wrote some crazy stuff down. That's, that's not how revelation happened, right? So, all right, so let's go back to the other side uh, of your handout. I want to show you a couple of things that I'm going to skip in today's lesson. So Grudem, the, big, the big bulk of his actual textbook where he goes through and he talks about the arguments for, this is point B on your handout, uh, a consideration of the arguments for amillennialism. So he says, here's where amillennialists come up with their ideas. And then he refutes each one of those. And then he goes to point C and he says, here's where um, postmillennialists come up with their views. And then he refutes each one of those. And then he goes through, here's where premillennialists come up with their views. And then he refutes each one of those. And you go, whoa, what? And, and he kind of slowly walks you through the process without beating you over the head with it that all of these have some holes, right? Like every single one of these has a couple holes. And some things where you go, I feel like I have to force fit that verse to kind of, it's kind of got to mean, like if you hold your mouth just right, that'll work. But if you move, no, it's not going to work very well. So remember... Seeing all the details from this perspective are very, very difficult. So what was, the, what was the quote that I talked about last week? Anybody remember? Holding a live bird in your hand. Yeah, Harvey Pennick's Little Red Book. So how do you hold a golf club? Like you hold a live bird. You don't hold it too tightly because you're going to kill it. You don't hold it too loose, it'll get away. That's how I want us to hold what we believe about these things that we can't see perfect clarity with. Generally speaking, the closer we are to an event, the easier it is to see clearly that event. Right? Some of you believe pretty strongly that you're going you're gonna to have control over what you do for lunch today. Right? Like, does anybody have lunch plans right now? Like, I know where you, like, you know where you're going to go. All right, so Mitch, where are you going to go to lunch today? Going to go to Panera. So, the Fiesta restaurant, right? We're coming back. Carrie, where are you going? You going to Mama's house, right? So, and, and these are your plans, right? Is there anything that could occur between now and lunch that would change those plans? Absolutely. 
every, almost every one of us carries around a cell phone, and there are messages that we could get on our cell phones that would, no, we're, we're making adjustments at this point. We're going we're gonna to change those plans. So that's lunch. That's like, what, three hours from, two, two hours, two hours from now. Yes. Two hours from now, and that's not fixed and solid. So you see where I'm going with this? I'm really trying to belabor this point that we need to be very careful about how we talk to our brothers and our sisters who believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and saved their souls about things that are perhaps far off. And my answer to this is, even so, come quickly, Lord. <laughs> I'd love to just experience it and quit talking about it. Uh, but he is coming back. So he then goes through uh, the, so the amillennialism, the postmillennialism, the premillennialism. Um, and I've given you a couple of the points for each as we kind of talk through. So the, the amillennialists would say that there's really only one passage that really appears to teach about earthly, uh, future earthly millennial rule. And, and there's really quite a few verses that are actually talking about that. Um, amillennialists would look at something like this. And they would say, well, this is two returns of Jesus Christ. Like Jesus comes back once for his people and then once back to rule. And that, it feels like the Bible only talks about one. And premillennialists would say, well, that's, we call that the rapture. right? We have a term for that. That's something different. Um, Postmillennialists uh, would say that you know, the gospel is so powerful that it can change the whole world. And we would say, well, it, it doesn't feel like things are getting better. And it, it, it just, that's not our actual experience. Um, and then premillennialists would say, uh, I think I put these, did I put these on your handout, the D point? Did I not? Is there any bullets under D? Or is it just empty? Just empty? Okay. All right, so I'm just going to reference those on the, stu on the uh, teacher uh, handout on the website. So let's flip over to the back side of the handout and look at the time of great tribulation. And then we want to go to Matthew 24. Time of great tribulation in Matthew 24. So this phrase, great tribulation, comes from Matthew 24, 21. So who's got that verse for me? I get Revelation's easy to find because it's the back, but Matthew's not that hard. So anybody got Matthew? For then ah, thank you, George. there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. So this is going to be bad, right? And bad to the point where nothing like this has ever happened on the history of the face of the earth, and nothing like this will ever happen again for the history of the face of the earth. This is really bad. Now, there are some folks that would say, uh, specifically amillennialists, would say that at some point we kind of, either are already going through this or have gone through it, or, and it, it doesn't resonate well with this text because it's a defined period of time and it's worse than anything else. So let's look at a couple of the points that Grudem makes here. So number one, the entire period of the tribulation will be a time of the outpouring of God's wrath on all the earth. Therefore, it would not be appropriate for Christians to be on the earth at that time. So these are arguments for uh, a specific viewpoint. Which, which viewpoint would that be for? Is that for? Yes, that would be for pre-tribulational. I'm clicking and I'm not getting anything. There we go. So this is the post-tribulation. So Jesus comes back post-tribulation. And this is the pre-tribulation. Come on. 
This is the pre-tribulation. Jesus comes back before the tribulation. So, number two, Revelation 3.10. Let's look over to Revelation 3.10 real quick. I want you to see this. <clears throat> so, Grudem's retort to that number one uh, will be that all Christians will avoid the wrath of God at all times, right? So this is what Romans 8 teaches us, that we are no longer uncondemnation. But does, that, does the wrath, are wrath and suffering the same thing? No, they're not. This doesn't mean that Christians will avoid all suffering. We're actually called to suffer. We will suffer. Um, so number two, Revelation 3.10. Who's got Revelation 3.10? So who's writing here? Sorry. So this is still John. And he's an angel is telling him to write a letter to what church? What church are we in? Philadelphia. Great. And part of this letter to the church at Philadelphia is what? I'm sorry. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. There it is. We won't go through the tribulation. Is that what that said? Not exactly. But there's a lot of folks that use that verse as a basis to say, Jesus is going to keep us from this hour of trial that's coming. Who was that addressed to? Church of Philadelphia, very specifically. It was very specifically not addressed to the other six churches. So could, could that mean something else for all other churches in history? Could. But is that what it clearly teaches? Maybe not. So let's be careful how we hold these things. Number three here, if Christ returns after the tribulation and defeats all his enemies, then where will the unbelievers come from who are necessary to populate the millennial kingdom? Now you may not have thought about this one before. So I'm going to let you read that one again because there's a lot going on here. So if Christ returns after the tribulation and defeats all his enemies, then where will the unbelievers come from who are necessary to populate the millennial kingdom? So here's Grudem's response to this. It is no argument for the pre-tribulational view to say that there must be some people in non-glorified bodies who will enter the millennium. Because when Christ comes at the end of the tribulation, he will defeat all the forces arrayed against him, but that does not mean he will kill or annihilate all of them. Many will simply surrender without trusting Christ and will thus enter the millennium as unbelievers. And during the entire period of the millennium, no doubt many will be converted to Christ and become believers as well. So there are scenarios to handle some of these questions. And then number four, this view, this view makes it possible to believe that Christ could come at any moment, and yet that many signs must be fulfilled before He comes, which is so attractive. This is the reason that so many Baptist churches are pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, because it fits a lot of the passages of Scripture without having to change definitions of words. When you get into amillennialism and postmillennialism, you get into interpretations where you say, well, if this word means something else in this one instance, then this view is correct. Well, if buffet means something different in one instance, then I could go to Ryan's. But I'm not going to Ryan's because I know what a buffet is. Right? I mean, this is... Words mean what they mean, and they're very consistent when they're used in Scripture many times. So this is where we're at. So I say all that to say, what is Grudem? 
<laughs> Somewhere in the middle, I'm sure. He started out as an amillennialist because his uh, seminary that he went to, that's what they were. And listening to him talk about it on his uh, Sunday school class, it was, well, yeah, because that's what everybody else was. So, of course, the argument sounded really good. And then I got a book from somebody who disagreed, and his argument sounded really good. And then I got a book from somebody who disagreed with both of them. And, his and then I realized this is hard to see the future with great clarity. So let's have some Christian humility and gentleness when we talk to each other about these things. So the implications are what I really want to focus on this morning. So there's four things there. So number one, Jesus is coming back. Number two, history will end. Number three, obedience is worth it. So here's what I'm talking about. So, yep, we're in the right one. So there is going to come a day in the future of judgment. There's coming a day of judgment. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. And there's going to come a day of an eternal state, whether you're either with Christ or you're without Christ forever. And there's no turning back from this. This state for the believer is worth however Jesus unfolds all of this. If we go through the tribulation and it's worse than we can even imagine, and the, and the millennial reign comes afterward, and maybe say we don't even get glorified bodies during the millennial reign, that we have to live in these bodies for a thousand years, this will still be worth it for the believer. Don't lose sight of this. The beauty of the Christian faith is that this is always looking forward. See, the unbeliever can only ever look backward for the best days. Because the worst days are ahead for the unbeliever. The best days are behind. For the Christian, the best days are ahead. It is always, look, we have a forward-looking faith. So obedience is worth it. And the number four, believers disagree on the details. And that's okay. This is okay. We're not, we're not disagreeing on the, on the gospel. Repentance and faith, you're a believer. We're not disagreeing on the gospel. We're disagreeing on where to put this box. So the next time you are tempted to get really, really angry, or somebody that you're talking to is tempted to get really, really angry, just picture this, and what we're talking about is where to put this box. Okay? Like literally, where to put the box on the page. It'll be okay. We can breathe. Take a couple deep breaths, it'll be all right. Now, how many of you feel extremely unresolved at this point with my Sunday school lesson? Does anybody feel just a little bit? Oh, I'm sorry. What blanks did we not get? Oh, I thought that's what you were asking. We're off. That's what we're always. What did I not get? Show me what I missed. Oh, wow. See, I thought I asked that question if I put those in, and I didn't. Apparently. That'd be the most. That'd be the most. That'd be the most. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That'd be the most passive-aggressive way ever to leave a lesson unresolved. All right. So point number three is premillennialism. A is classic or historic premillennialism. This is Christ will come back before the millennium. B is pre-tribulational premillennialism. This is. Christ will not only return before the millennium, but also occur before the Great Tribulation. Is that all of them? Okay. Do you feel better now? No. I still didn't get them all. Listen to Darla. A is 
classic or historic, historic. See, we were trying to pre-millennialism. B is pre-tribulational, pre-millennialism, P-R-E, P-R-E, so it goes in both blanks for the B. No, you had that one right. Okay. Free. Okay. Free. And then before. There you go. <laughs> this is actually. Um, <laughs> This is actually a, I actually kind of like how this turned out. Typically, this would annoy the fool out of me that I skipped any blanks, but I kind of like where this went because it's messy. It's not neat and clean and everything lines up and there's a perfect little blank. It, this is a little bit messy. And, and I will challenge you that the deeper you dive into this rabbit hole, the messier it gets. It does not clean up nice and neat. So uh, dive in, get messy, have fun. The Bible is true. We will look back when we are here at all of this and we will go, oh, Jesus is awesome. He told the truth all the way through and we were too stupid to get it. Praise his holy name and it'll be all right. So uh, don't forget about your memory verses for next week. They're at the bottom of that page. Uh, and then one more thing, I've got an email or something that I'm going to send out either on the Facebook page or maybe an email to the whole class. Our class has been asked to decorate this campus for Christmas. I have purposely waited until this week to make this announcement because some of you have not read your Bibles and you believe that you should decorate before Thanksgiving, which we will not do. I will not tell you where the decorations are until Thanksgiving meal has been concluded with my family and then you can go and do whatever you want to do. Uh, but if you are interested in helping out with that, it does not involve days and days and days of work. It's a few hours of putting stuff up. Uh, and if you would like to make that look better than perhaps it has in years past, um, then we would love to have you participate in that. So just see me after Sunday school and I'll point you in the right direction for that information. So thanks for coming to Sunday school today. Your weekly updates in the middle of the page. Lean in, pray as a group. When you're done, then you are dismissed.